0: I actually think about that as it's, it's what I would call the, the black mirror effect, not, not named after the creepy TV show, but just that like, I think everybody's had this. Mm, everybody, yeah. everybody who plays video games has had this where you've been like playing a game, you're stuck on stuff, you're frustrated or whatever, but you're kind of like grinding it out. And at some point you like hit a loading screen or something. yep. And you're just kinda yeah, they, chilling there for like yeah, ten and and seconds. Get to start and then you to think. And you, <laughs> and you see your own reflection in the monitor and you're like, do I care about this? <laughs> Butter- Shenanigans. Hey everybody, welcome to episode three twenty-eight of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer.
1: I'm Adam and I'm the SEO failure. I'm Sam and I'm the artiste. And this is a show where we talk about life, business,
0: and working in the games industry. Today is September 9th, twenty twenty-one. Dunk on everyone! Before we get started, we have a warning: there's going to be profanity in this show, so you know, it's, it's going to be a little explicit. Yep, it's going to be spicy. Uh, so if you don't want to burn your tongue, you know, the excuse is it, it going to be
2: pumpkin spicy because of you know, spooky. Spooky season. I mean spooky. pumpkin spice isn't exactly spooky, <laughs> but it's you know, part of the pumpkins are the spookiest of the gourd family. Yeah, though. I think true. we could agree. It is are weird gourds, that we right? treat yeah, that we treat pumpkin spice as just like a fall thing. It's like a cozy but thing. But it's pumpkins. It you know, spooky. pumpkins are spooky. Mm-hmm. Are they only spooky ones they're a jack-o'-lantern? Do we need jack-o-lantern? Well, spice? this is
0: just this is just pumpkin harvest season, you know. And yeah. and I think the real thing that nobody likes to talk about is that there's a, a huge number of farmers who just decided to grow pumpkins, um, even though there's there's just – not there's no market for that, right? And then here comes Starbucks coming in, subsidizing these farmers, mm-hmm. giving them handouts, mm-hmm. just jamming those pumpkins into those lattes. The price you of know, pumpkins. You know, this is the I
1: mean- – you buy a jack o' lantern these days. You, yeah, I mean, oh, it's like you a got, Bitcoin. Yeah. You know, like the price goes up in the fall, spikes like crazy, you know?
0: Yeah, we're getting just wrecked at the pumps. Think of yes, the
1: family's conspiracy, <laughs> conspiracy <laughs> coin, right? Yeah, big nobody's pumpkin. Nobody's talking about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody's talking about this. Big pumpkin. Well, speaking of spice, I do have something I learned actually that I wanted
0: already- to share with you guys. I oh, wait, remember. before we do that, we have to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.biz
1: right. ahead of myself. Go. Uh
0: because we have a we have a new supporter which is our our mom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is it actually our mom? Or is that the name of the thing?
0: Either it's our mom or it's just someone who wrote mom. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a tough one cuz there's billions of people named mom, you know, in the world yeah. and, and uh mm-hmm. or mum, you Ma. know. Or, or, yeah. Uh, so, mom does kind of narrow it down to a more sort of American mother figure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, it's it could be our mom or like a, a hundred million other moms
1: potentially, mm-hmm. or just the concept. You know what I mean? It might be that sort yeah. of uh, that level of reach out. It's abstract. The concept
0: of, of mom Yeah, the concept of motherhood.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> could mm-hmm. be it's one of those uh, those AIs that you see in sci-fi is that like. Oh. kind of adopts humanity and becomes a parental figure, you know? I think those are always yep. called
1: Mother, though, because they have this they are. like, it's fancier. I will slap you across the face sort of a vibe to them. You
0: know. Yeah, yeah. Robot mothers are more stern, and they don't really reach mom status, which is a more chill mother. Mm-hmm. I feel, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, but anyways, uh, mom says, I "Love you, my boys." I listen every week. So again, it probably is our mom. That makes it more likely. you that is the kind of thing that any mom would say, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough to it's tough pin it down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, now, well, thank you, mom. Yeah, thanks, mom, for the do- for the donation. Uh, also, th- thanks to our recurring supporters as well. All right, Sam,
1: you're going to say something. Spice, yes, spice. Facts I learned in the Northeast. Okay, so oh. I've completed this move, and I wanted to get a bird feeder, but now I'm in the woods, and there's goddamn bears in the woods, which means you can't just put out bird feed because then the bears will come. and Well, they'll just eat all of it, and then they'll come again. Because it's bear to feed. Yes, it's oh. bear to feed, which is not what you bear want to be feed. doing. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple different methods, okay? People have for you know doing things like hoisting your feet up super high, so you put it on like a little a little tether, you know, and then they call call what bears do to uh, do, uh, going to the ballet, which is they go and stand underneath the thing and just kind of like try to puzzle out with their little bear brain just how they can could- just.
0: This just sounds like you're training the bears to do athletic training for this treats. Is, yeah, this like, is like
1: the squirrel thing, because there are all these anti squirrel mm-hmm, uh, you know. You're just making things. the squirrels smarter. Yeah. Well, so here's here's <laughs> the thing. So it turns out that uh birds don't have spice receptors. That's true. Yeah. But bears do. Okay. Yeah. And apparently like ten percent of squirrels actually love spicy food, which is a weird thing that I don't even want to get into. But,
0: but you know, yeah. Attracts what you do, too, you
1: know, is actually almost all of the bird seed that they just sell in actual like stores that know what they're doing up here is is like infused with habanero oil. <laughs> it is like red. It is murderous and it is – Did you
2: learn this amazing. by reading the package or did you learn this by
1: using some feet and then touching your eyes? Just like, I haven't – get- <laughs> Yeah, I haven't had the mistake yet of rubbing uh-huh. it in my face. I'm sure that will happen at some point. I learned all this from walking into a bird store uh, and then having a wonderful chat with the, the local who ran the shop who like, filled me all bird in. Who showed me pictures the show. of the bear in her backyard who was puzzling over how to get one of these things down. Um, very amusing stuff. But yeah, I just want to share that. Spicy
0: food. Bears don't like it. So does that mean if you maced a bird, it would be like, nah,
1: bro, I don't give a fuck. I feel mm. like probably, but also their eyes. I mean, if you shot them in the eyes with, it, I feel like eyes are a thing. Like the caustic burn does Maybe. So- I don't
0: really know how this works. I mean, yeah, if, you can't, if you can't feel the
2: spice in your mouth. Yeah, because capsaicin binds to, there's a particular, if I remember this correctly, but it's been a long time since I uh-huh. knew it. So this could be way off.
1: Hit us with but- false...
2: There's a, there's a- us, Adam. Because you have, so so, like the way that you detect things is that basically something sticks to a protein sticking out of one of your cells. And then that protein's like, ooh, I'm going to change now because something stuck to me, right? And then that change causes something inside the cell to also change and it cascades and then, you know, things happen, right? And then Al- And then Mm -hmm. ow. So, yeah, Yeah. so depending on what, so that's how you taste a thing, right? So when you taste something bitter, it's because there's a bitter taste receptor and a bitter chemical. They stick together and then it triggers all this stuff with spicy. So spicy things are weird though, because what capsaicin does isn't like bind to something that's trying to detect it. It just binds to the, I can't remember if it's the temperature really, because like you have these proteins that like vibrate because everything vibrates more if it's hotter, right? And so they can detect if things are hot because they just vibrate more and then they can cascade that signal down, right? Mm. Mm. And I can't remember if it's that one or if it's actually specifically a pain-related thing, but it's one of those Could two. be both. Could be both. You know? Where it just like – it just sticks to it in such a way – again, it's not, not – like the proteins are trying to do that, right? But it sticks to it in such a way that it basically causes it to behave as if there's like heat slash pain, whatever the thing is, Right. And so it basically like tricks the system into feeling pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's but how it works. So, so, case, so it does cause, cause damage, I, right? It's
1: like it doesn't cause, cause like damage. Turbo well, pepl- no,
0: no, it's, it it's your body's response. It's your body's response. Because like you have yeah. this big inflammation response yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Because your body's like, fuck, I'm burning and an owl
2: hurt. Yeah. Because your and body then can't then, tell the difference between, you know, fake, fake
1: heat and real heat, right? So you're analytics. saying that if I eat a... a like a, or I have to rub a pepper say like on my face because apparently mm-hmm. this happens to your skin too because you could feel if you rub if you get pepper juice on like on your, yeah. your face you're like, but you don't nah.
2: feel it as much because it has to get through
1: your like the outer layer of your skin first before it can like hit Idiot. the things that are that have yeah. detectors for those right? but actually what's happening is not like it is it's sort of the the wisdom of, of, you know, you are the cause of your own suffering most of the time. Yeah, sort of the idea. In this case. Yeah, it's it's yeah. not yeah.
2: literally burning you, but your body can't tell the difference and it behaves as if it is literally burning you. And then and I mean, and you can you can literally die from eating too much spice. But this stuff is the same the as
0: like a like a virus, right? Like like if you have a cold and your your head is filling up with, with goo. Yeah. That's, that's, your, that. that's, that's your that's your body, body right? just doing that. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. The virus is just chilling. The virus, well, the is, the virus not is making the doing goo. stuff. It's
2: like blowing up your cells and stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah. it's not but doing nearly that, as much damage. Yeah. As your body.
0: But what? Yeah. But what the virus is doing is not uh, manufacturing mucus in your head. That's your own head yes. doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. So you know you're your own worst enemy when it comes to biology.
2: That's actually you're your own best friend and worst enemy at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just now, and I think this kind of explains why you know we
2: just we have you ever heard of bird mace? I haven't. Nah, you Not know. can't mace a bird, and you would need to because like geese, you know, emus. Like if yeah. it, if nobody's invented bird mace, it's because it wouldn't work. I think is
1: oh yeah, because otherwise there.
2: you'd have geese mace.
1: That'd be yeah, like exactly. for sale at oh, every yeah. gas station. Use a Canadian <laughs> goose, just spritz them, just spritz them, walk away. You and know, away. show them who's boss. I guess run yep. quickly because it's raptors and they'll come after
0: you. Fend off a goose attack with yeah. a goose mace. Nope, it's not a thing because geese
2: are unstoppable demons. Yep. <laughs> they feel no pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah all, and all of that said, be very careful uh-huh. using things like, you know, mace and spicy things out on animals in the wild because. It's it's literal torture to things that can't that can feel it. It fucking hurts. So, yep. uh, yeah. you know, use it sparingly and with caution and know what you're doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And
0: try not to yes, set up elaborate obstacle courses to teach bears how to do acrobatics as well, you know, because that kind of swings it the other direction. You know? You, yeah, what I want to see— You're enhancing the bears now. <laughs>
2: yeah, I want to see— like, cause you know, I don't know if you guys have seen those those really wild contraptions for anti squirrel mechanism feeders. You yes, know, yes,
1: the ones that like fling them off. Yeah, like, they fling ones. them
2: and stuff. So why don't they just scale that up
1: for bears? <laughs> Something that can hold five hundred pounds has like a V eight. Yeah. Uh, like a Well, uh, you don't it. want
0: to do that because, like, when you throw a squirrel, squirrel's like, yeah, this is just – I'm always flying around. Yeah, this is my normal deal. thing. If you throw a bear, it's just going to
2: die now because, like, it's going to hit stuff and smash. That possibly. is true, yeah. It it that's that's actually one of the – I mean, speaking <laughs> of biology things, I, I won't get like, really into it, but it's actually super interesting. The whole thing of, you know, like, people talk about how you can, like a cat can fall from huge heights and be fine. And, yeah. And, uh, and, like, the smaller the, the creature gets, the more true that becomes. And the bigger it gets – it sort of accelerates, like right? where like a like a an elephant could just like f- like fall over from just how tall, like just just to be how tall it is, it could like fall over on its side. It and you're cr- like, well, relatively crushed. speaking, that's like the same as a person falling over, right? But like, it would literally just like destroy Drink its itself. entire rib cage, despite mm-hmm. the fact that its rib cage is like a bunch of metal pipes that are as big around as like your head, right? <laughs> uh, and, and the reason that animals, as they scale up, have like – have these really huge legs, like really thick and wide, like mm-hmm, an elephant, mm-hmm. right, is because that has that has to go – because like they're scaling
1: volume as you get taller. Yeah, it's a, it's right? a volume cubes, right? As yeah, you get
2: so that – so the volume is – so yeah, you're cubically increasing as you get taller, which means that the cross-sectional area of all of your supports have to increase more rapidly than yep. that because they're only mm-hmm. increasing as area, right? So they have to actually increase faster than like the bulk does, and this is the – this is the thing that, like, people who are really into this stuff, when they see things like Godzilla, you know? Oh, yeah. Because if you see a picture really, of what Godzilla should yeah. look like, given its scale— It, it should, should just be, be mostly bones and huge, huge, fat legs.
1: Godzilla would
0: be—yeah, to to have leg bones that would be able to hold up, like, you know— a skyscraper. Fifty fifty thousand tons or something, mm-hmm. you know, you would just be like only leg bones, yeah, <laughs> because they wouldn't even be able to hold themselves up. They wouldn't, yeah, right. Because yeah, if you think about think about like a skyscraper, it, has, it just right? has to
2: be a triangle that's like really huge on the base and just goes up. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, oh,
0: you know, maybe maybe somebody can make a uh, a physics accurate Godzilla movie where Godzilla comes out of the ocean, but it. It looks small at first because it's just it like its a little head. regular, it's regular <laughs> like lizard head. But as it keeps going, like its, it's legs and body just keep scaling up toward the ground,
2: mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it's just a pyramid
0: at that point. It's yeah. just like a walking pyramid. I mean, in some ways,
2: a walking pyramid is a lot more terrifying because just how – it would just be flattening. Because like when you watch the Godzilla movies, it steps over things, you know? And like doesn't mm-hmm. – I mean it does a lot of damage, but it's stepping over things. But yeah. a real Godzilla – Pyramidal creature. It would just be just sort of. Like, it'd be more like a snail. A it would just kind
0: of like. <laughs> it would just kind of because also it wouldn't be able to lift its legs much because yep. of how heavy they are, and so it'd mostly be kind of like lifting its legs just enough to get them slightly off the ground, and then moving them forward and bulldozing things. Yeah, well, it's, usually
2: it's too high that. and they <laughs> set it down it
1: all break, you know? because if yeah. at some point, because the other thing is that things with mass have uh, have gravity. Right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. here's my question, which is at what scale does Godzilla achieve enough of its own gravity to not have to be so much of a pyramid? Well, you know actually, I mean? it just keeps getting worse because – the Well, then it becomes
2: it's spherical <laughs> because its, own gra- because yeah, it's, it's gravity then in – <laughs> yeah. But also since it's on the Earth, then now like – and it's of the Earth, right? It will have reduced the gravity of the Earth a little bit. But it's just stuck to the Earth though, right? So like it's still – it's now experiencing the full effect Mm. Of its gravity and Earth's gravity, you know, pull on each other. So, right. it just, so, so it's, so it's the, not like so a negative
1: s- where you'd be like, "I got all this gravity over here. No, no, no. I'm not even feeling no, this gravity anymore." No, you're like, you're just, bro- you're
0: you wouldn't. You would start with a spherical Godzilla, but then because gravity of Godzilla is pulling the Earth, and the Earth is pulling the spherical Godzilla. Then you end up with spherical Godzilla squishing into more of a disc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. they would just squish against each other. Yep. yep. So, So you have discs. You no, know, that and, uh, wouldn't make for as good of a movie because.
1: <laughs> yeah, fighting a weird disc shaped. <laughs> oh my God. It's a giant sort
0: of lizard ball. I'm
1: not even mm-hmm. scared. This, I'm just, what is that? It's
2: a blob. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah it, it wouldn't be, it, be unstoppable. Are, you know, because it would just like roll across. A city, and then the city yeah. is just under.
1: The
0: bigger behind. question is, how did it get there, and how did yeah. we not notice until now? It would have that had that to that come was... out of the <laughs> ocean.
1: You know, yeah, so. you know, the deep ocean. That's where all the yeah. weird stuff is. Cause, yeah, you, yeah, you don't but care if, about gravity when you're underwater, so you Yeah, just, but just like
0: for a Godzilla – for a spherical Godzilla to, to have its own gravity, it would have to be so big that it, when it left the ocean, I would assume that we would lose a lot of sea level.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, know, it depends that on how much cool.
2: gravity you want it to have. Because I mean, it's always got gravity, you know. So, but if you want it to like pull I'm stuff like that
1: small is- planetoid, like what if when Godzilla approached, like the ocean came with it because it was like it's like It's kind of attached uh-huh. to you a little bit. Yeah, it had its own atmosphere.
2: That'd so the tide. a smelly atmosphere, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, and that's so, actually
0: a good survival mechanism for Spherical Godzilla because by bringing your own ocean, you can rely on buoyancy to kind of offset how heavy you are. You know, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. a good that's a good strat. Yeah, that's right. that's that's the new meta I think when it comes to Godzilla PvP is like spherical bringer tide bringer. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyways, we're oh yeah, there's a new game that came out called Webbed. Good God, it looks amazing. Yeah, uh, go just go get it. You get to be a spider. It was made in Game Maker, which of course. Automatically makes it an incredible game. Yeah, we're here real. for it. Um, uh, but it looks just buttery smooth. You sling around as a cute spider.
2: Uh, you, yeah, get, they, you got webs. They went with a jumping spider, which was a hundred percent the correct move because they they wave their little so arms around. Cute. Yeah, they got those giant eyes and they wave their little arms and do dances and stuff. And like, and they put that they put that vibe into the game. It looks like um, yeah. Was just a,
0: yeah, I, I love saw spiders. some comments, and people were like, you know, I hated spiders until I played this game, and now I realize they're, they're actually pretty adorable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like,
2: there's, there's, nothing, like, there's nothing that like, can kick off my day better than if I get up in the morning and I'm doing something, and a little jumping spider is just like, crawling across the wall. You know? yeah. so jumping ones adorable. are good. I feel like all
1: the yeah. rest of them, though, I'm going to be honest, still hideous. Not here but really it. It's hard to call them cute that is true. They're beautiful
0: on the inside though because they're helping you uh keep other like flying Here's the thing. I I I don't mind spiders because I know where they're at, you know. You see a spider on the wall you're like there yeah. he is. It's not just got, in spider 3D got, got no yeah, spider got no wings. Spider's not going to suddenly like fly into your
2: nose hole. Well, in the but they still the descend. <laughs> They'll still descend on little, you know, like uh, invisible tethers. Tethers. Yeah. tethers. Yeah.
0: yeah, but they're just coming down to make sure that you're safe and that there's no mosquitoes on. Yeah, just you're, checking you in. You know,
2: yep. they're
0: just checking like you good, you good, everything good. good? Oh, all right, perimeter's clear. I'm gonna head back up. Just uh, <laughs> give me a holler
1: if you need anything, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, I think the uh, the thing about this game that caught my eye too is the I'm not sure how they animated it. It's it looks really well like an interesting procedure. Cleverly. Thing. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the fuck's happening, but it looks real good. So Yeah, I haven't played it yet. I've just
2: been seeing for the past, I don't know, year or something. Uh just like seeing on Twitter, just seeing GIFs that they've been putting out and stuff. And it's the only game I can remember for a long time where the first time I just saw anything from it, I was like, Yes. Yep. Yes, yep. I want this. This is fucking. Yeah, great. watching
0: that little spider just like whipping webs around and sticking things in them and swinging yeah. around. I mean, it, it does have like a Spider-Man kind of a
2: vibe in yeah, terms of how the this spider shoots webs and whips around.
0: Yeah, so but it's hopefully, an actual spider.
2: hopefully, it's good gameplay. It sounds like it is. The reviews so far seem good. Um, but I mean, everybody knows a grapple hook is like the best. Yeah, it's very fun. just the best mechanic. But at minimum, you get to be an adorable jumping spider. Even if at some point you're like. I'm not even having fun now, but at least you got to look at this adorable it's jump screen you got to be for a while. Yep. So I think that's worth the entry price alone. Yep, agreed. Uh so anyways, webbed, that's the game. Uh, okay. I'll see it. It. Their, right. web, their website is webbed.website. <laughs> <That's pretty>
0: dot <good. laughs> website. Very funny. That's a, what, is dot site not a domain? because it could have been webbed.site, but maybe that's too.site might be, but I think they wanted that web
2: in the in the latter yeah. part too, you know. So that
0: makes sense. That there makes sense. Uh, okay. well, Let's just get into some questions. And hey, let go. All right. These questions come from our listeners over at net. If you want to get your question onto a, a future episode, go in there and ask it. Make it a good one. Yeah. We're we're people – Garbage questions. Yeah. Think people says. vote. People vote for these. This is a democracy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Highest up-footed question is from Malrompa Kimagwampa. Nice. Who says <laughs> – <laughs> He says, in the latest podcast, episode 324, The Immersion Barrier, um, which was four episodes ago. So, we're, you know, we're not, we're, we're not too far off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Y'all talked about the difficulty in world building without breaking immersion. And it made me wonder if there's anything mechanically similar to how you make game systems. You talk a lot about keeping people hooked without making people feel like they're just playing a game. And I was wondering how you tackle that with so many diverse systems in your games. Mm. Yeah, this is this is interesting because every game kinda comes down to being cookie clicker. Yep. At the end of the day, and this is something we've talked about in the past. Of uh, even if even if you're playing a, a skill game like like Rocket League, where kind of like what you see is what you get. Right, you go in there and you hit the ball around, and uh, at some point you hit a, a fork in the road where you realize like I could learn how to do some pretty amazing things in this game, but I'm going to have to grind. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to have to grind out the skills and practice for 10,000 hours to be able to do the things that I see people doing on these like YouTube videos and stuff. Right. And that's like, that's the skill loop, which we all know about from the real world. Just the entirety of life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, achieving things requires a huge amount of work. Right. Um, And so in a power loop system, which is what we talk about when we talk about games like RPGs, where basically like your numbers get bigger for your character, right? This Mm -hmm. is like the cookie clicker thing. Um, So maybe like you go fight a dragon and you get a new sword and that sword uh, is useful for fighting the next dragon, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So you can kind of mask that. By having a, a wide diversity of of things going on, right? So it's it also not just, ties
2: into skill loops, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Because you're you're also uh, becoming better at the game by learning more about it. Your skills yeah. are improving, etc. Um, and so, what I think makes video games so effective uh, at kind of like keeping people engaged is that is that when you hit those points where your skills stop going up as fast because you've kind of like learned the basics. Your character can still improve a lot in a lot of different ways and there's a tight
2: um, feedback loop on the skill loop, which you don't have in really any other domains you know where you're trying to learn yeah. stuff it's there's a, it's just all a slog and you can never quite tell if you're making progress but in the context of a of a game with a with a skill with a skill loop especially if it's coupled to other systems that are easier to grok um then it's just kind of happening and you can see it happen. Cause if you, you know, if you die, this, if it takes, take like super mean boy, right. Where you die in like a second on a try and then you try again. Right. And like super mean boys for me is like the perfect encapsulation of like what works for video games with a skill loop that doesn't work in real life. It's just how tight that feedback loop is because like yeah. with it, like, cause I don't, I don't normally play games as for a challenge. And so games that really rely on skill loops, I tend to fall out of pretty quickly. Normally. Um, but Super Meat Boy is one of those rare games that, like, I just, I just did, I just did the fucking game, you know? <laughs> because, yep, because you can instantly do it again, instantly, you know? and like, and each time because all the levels are short, and so like each time you can tell if you did better, and you can like, but you just, and you have this, it's a short sequence of things that you have to then nail um, mm-hmm. before you yeah. get it.
0: Yeah. So there's there's some there's some rules about this kind of stuff, and like this is mm-hmm. what we found when we were working on Level Head was yeah. that like check it's all about it's all about feedback loops. Well, I, I think there's actually there's there's two things. One is feedback loops. And the other is arbitrariness, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So f- feedback loops is what Adam was talking about where um, let's say let's say you get to a really hard boss fight and you fail, okay? Uh, what you want to do then is fight the boss again because you realized what your mistake was and you want to try it again and see if you can get past it. But if if you now have to go through a three-minute obstacle course to get back to the boss,
2: mm-hmm. they, and it's the boss is playing the, the feedback loop
0: right then this is where you churn people out because uh just like because, in real life you know when you're yeah, trying the to the feedback loop yeah the feedback loop is too long yeah and the yeah, the problem with things in real life is either the feedback loop is super long or there's no feedback right and this is mm-hmm. why I like exercise and diet is so hard because your body is like a gooey bag of weird chemicals that has its own things going on mm-hmm. and and you don't get reliable responses to the same thing at Every time, well,
2: I mean, right? your actually your body's whole design fights against it because of homeostasis, you know, yeah. and the hedonic treadmill, which is your body just adapts to whatever is going on. I mean, to the best it can, of course, because like you can't adapt to being sick, right? But like, yeah, your awareness of of things like how you feel, whatever, like that that all the stuff that you that becomes kind of a baseline, um, right? And so, you so know, you even, can even when you improve, it, <laughs> yeah, even when you improve, it, it's actually the case that you can't. Think about what that is relative to what it used to be, right? Yep. If it improves fast
1: enough, you can. You can, like, feel it happen and tell. Yeah. Yeah. But, the, uh, but, but your body rare. is basically designed to not actually yeah. change super fast. That's sort of the Well,
2: it's actually it – it's like, it's like weird. It actually is – like, it's designed to change fast, but not on the scale that our brains that do brain <laughs> yeah. you to. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It actually so is so remarkable, like, like how, how little you have to do to, like, work out or whatever before your – like, your body starts to adjust immediately. It starts trying to do stuff. Mm-hmm. It just takes a long time for it to, you know, make be muscles noticeable. and – yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to be noticeable. But it's yeah, right away.
0: Yeah. I think even worse is that as you progress further and further into something, the feedback loop for improvement becomes uh much longer yeah. and much harder to gauge. So for example, like it's all um, incremental I, gains. Yeah. So like I was I was uh taking some piano lessons a couple of years back and I had played a little bit of piano when I was like nine, I think. Uh, but I had done music stuff kind of throughout uh, high school and stuff. So, like, I could read music and I had some, like, understanding of the fundamentals of, like, playing instruments, right? And so I started playing the piano and it went from, like, just figuring out where my hands go on the keyboard, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which, like, I could see myself improving in that very quickly, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, mastering some very simple songs, which took almost no time at all. And then I got interested in actually playing some songs that I wanted to play, right? And and these songs are longer and much, much harder. And suddenly it would take me like four hours to get through the first three measures to actually get it to where mm-hmm. I could play them. Right. Uh and suddenly that that feedback loop gets real, real long, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of feeling like I've made meaningful uh progress in like a stepwise fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in a video game, if you have that that moment where like the, the the feedback loop gets too long, then yeah, that's that's just
1: where you lose people. So try to, to find ways to keep yeah. that tight. The point is that that's actually where people notice the system that's happening. Yes, so I think this is actually where this is actually the role of multi systems in games, which is to say that if yes, you have a things. yeah, if you it's actually to, to allow the players to if they're experiencing a slowdown or frustration in one area to because people especially if someone's already playing a game. Um, they're actually, they've already made a choice about what they're, about what they're doing, which is playing inertia, right? Yeah. So it's actually way easier once you already have someone in the game system to, to basically keep them there, not by pushing on just like one monolithic system, which is why you see like arcade games and stuff typically have quite a bit of churn, right? Like basically the games that have the most churn, churn being like someone comes in and then at some point they bounce and they're gone forever, uh, are typically going to be um, basically of that sort of like, there's just a thing to do. Because what happens is as soon as you as a person, kind of wherever you're at, either hit that frustration point um, or even get too good at it, right? Or it's just a different kind of frustration, which is like, you're not being challenged enough now. Uh, there's nothing else inside of that thing for you to do. And so you end up then seeing how the system works. And so this is where I
0: think- Yeah, I actually think about that as it's it's what I would call the the black mirror effect, not, not named after the- creepy TV show, but just that like I think everybody's had this. Mm, everybody yeah. everybody who plays video games has had this where you've been like playing a game, you're stuck on stuff, you're frustrated or whatever, but you're kinda like grinding it out. And at some point you like hit a loading screen or something. Yep. And you're just kind of okay, chilling the there for like yeah, ten and and seconds. Get to start and then you to and think you, <laughs> and you see your own reflection in the monitor and you're like, do I care about this? <laughs> Uh, because you've, you've lost the thread and like, and then you start to do the numbers, right. And you think like, man, if I wanted to do, to like beat this thing or get past this thing, it would take me another 20 or 30 hours. And am like, is that right? Do I want do to I do that? Enough? Do I care that much? And a lot of times by the time you're asking that question, the answer is no, mm-hmm. Yep, you're done now. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of like that, that feedback thing. And then the other thing is the arbitrariness problem. Yes. Which, which I think the, the best way I would, try to describe it is that uh, – we've talked about this, this uh, the photocopier effect mm-hmm. where – where uh, Sam, do you, do you have yeah, – I think you could tell that. Yeah, the oh, yeah, yeah. So, so if
1: you yeah. – basically long story short, you do a bunch of studies to look at uh, what people will allow uh, based on reasons that you give. So if, you, if you're in line for making photocopies, which is what the study was done on, um, and you just say to someone, hey, can I cut you? Most people are like, literally, no, absolutely not. I don't. Know as why in, I, as in, skip ahead in line, not like no, cut, not no. like stab yeah. in. So yeah, this yeah. is back when photocopiers were a <laughs> if, thing. Yeah,
2: right? if so, you're in line for a photo,
1: photocopier yeah. just for the and. Context yeah. uh, but if you, but even if you just say, "Hey, can yeah. I, can I, can I cut you? I need to make a copy." Which, of course, also the other Everyone person has to does. do. Everyone has to. That's literally what everyone's queued for. Uh, the rate of success goes way up, and basically, as it's essentially pointing out that, like, as soon as you have a reason that is remotely reasonable. Most people just stop at that. It's not about interrogating the reason, right? Um, and that's true. We talked about this a bit with the Marvel Universe stuff as well, I think, in that episode. Basically, when it comes to immersion, you can have a really big problem in games in particular because a lot of times on the design side, you want to, of course, stretch out gameplay. You want to uh, make it possible for someone to play the game for a longer and longer period of time. And a lot of people do that only by uh, essentially erecting these very clearly designed boundaries, these arbitrary boundaries that make it so that, again, you can just see the machine. It's like you're sort of seeing the machine at work and it really just like rips the veil of fantasy just right off the thing, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, the more the yeah. game is a simulation instead of a you know, collection of game mechanics um, so that it just feels like you're like doing stuff, you know. The yeah. more you can get there, the the longer a person can stay just enmeshed in it. Yeah, but this well, is also
0: but yeah, I was going to say this. This is something that, that, that uh, Sam and I got into a, a few weeks back, um, because as we're as we're like we do a lot of playthroughs of Crashlands too, and a lot of you know like design sessions, trying to talk through what we're feeling as as we mm-hmm. play the game. Um, and one of the things we talked about a few weeks back was um, this concept of artificial barriers, mm-hmm. and this was something that uh, in in 2015, uh, when I was playing uh, one of the WoW expansions, they they removed players' ability to fly, to ride their flying mounts, which they had been able to do for years and years and years. And suddenly, players just couldn't fly, right? Um, there was no reason explained in the game. It was just like, yeah, you can't fly now. Uh, and uh, the the statement from the design team, the development team, was like, well, we think that players have a better experience – of like being more immersed in the world when they're on the ground, right? Because they actually like go through places mm-hmm. and it's and definitely whatever. true, right? Yeah. Which is which is true, right? The problem was that nothing in the game actually made this. They didn't. They didn't say. They didn't give a reason. Like it's just yeah. like you just go, you just suddenly can't fly, um, and then there was an achievement that was added like a year later. So so you weren't you weren't allowed to unlock flying or anything. You just can't fly now. Um, and a year later, just an achievement was added to an interface uh, uh, called like Pathfinder or something. And the achievement was just like, explore every zone in the world and also like do all these arbitrary chores, right? And now – and then like once you do those things, a little pop-up, it's like achievement unlocked. You can fly now, right? <laughs> um, and so again, like it was, literally the, it was literally the development team drawing attention to the fact that they – made it so that you couldn't fly and then they decided that you could fly now right yeah, yep. and there was no uh, and and so the the conversation at the time the other, the phrase that all the players started using to describe this was an artificial barrier mm-hmm. which i thought was so interesting because of course because it's every barrier artificial. is artificial yeah. in yeah. the game yeah. so why is this one called an artificial barrier and it's more it's more that it's a barrier that was obviously put there um Without an in-game explanation or reason, so it feels arbitrary and it draws attention to the fact that somebody has contrived this entire scenario
2: for you. That exposed the game for being – Yeah, and I mean think about what – like a a different – so no matter what they did, there would be a lot of people who would hate it, right? That's definitely the case. Yeah, that's also – that's always true. (laughs) Yeah, but there's a big distinction though between like literally everybody hating something or, yep. or the difference between somebody like really not liking it, but still like accepting it, right? And because if you imagine if they had treated this as a as a lore problem, right? And they had some yeah. kind of an in-game event or something. It's like something that triggered it so that all of a sudden something happened and now things can no longer fly. Like that's the consequence, mm-hmm. right? And whatever, they give some bullshit. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a magic world. You can make up anything you want, you want. Do whatever you want. So they can just make up something. And yep. then and now it's like a, now the world has changed, and there's an explanation, right? And then if they decided cuz it's weird that they that they put it back, but you know whatever they did, right? So so if they decided to put it back at some point because of whatever reason they had, again, they'll just you just need to bring that lore back. So now you need to, well, you need to unchange the world or make a, you know, if that quest mm-hmm. series that you go on now has you talking to these NPCs who are like trying to reestablish the ability to fly basically, right? And like that's what they're doing. Well, what was
0: what was even more interesting about this particular moment was like a so, cuz they they had tried to do that thing that you're describing. Yeah. Um and they had successfully done that in previous um expansions by basically saying like, "Oh, we're in like a super cold place now. So, once you reach maximum level, you can talk to a flying trainer to learn cold weather flying because oh, yeah, the right. air is yep. different up here, right?" Mm-hmm. And then they did that again in the next expansion. And then by the time they got to th- that the third time around, they kind of like ran out of Reasons for like why <laughs> the like why the air is different here, and they're just like fuck it, I don't know. But then, but then they also paired this with a new design paradigm where prior to this, they had made all of the zones very open and large. So like if you saw a place in the world, it's like yeah, you, you can basically right. get, like go there. And they added this new design paradigm of saying like the world should be interesting, and by that they, they meant that like they they kind of like put treasure chests and like all kinds of stuff all over the place but they made them they put them in places that you could see them but you couldn't quite figure out how to get there because you'd have to like figure out how to navigate through a bunch of winding paths or like walk over a like a hanging tree branch or something so
1: they so they increased the 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 uh- They increased problem to, associated with letting people fly, basically, by chance.
0: They things. 100% drew attention to the fact that, like, if you could fly, this would have been, been fucking <laughs> easy. <easier. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, like, you could have yeah. just you, – like, you see it. It's right there on top of this mountain. And you could see it from down here. But you can't get there because you can't fly now because we mm-hmm. decided that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so it was like – it was just a really bad – combo of designs yeah. that just like shattered the the uh incentive of, of so many people to play and have a good time
1: well i think yeah. this is where this yeah. is where really good uh if you try to answer the question of like where does progression typically happen in a game that's not um like skill based so basically it's not inside the player themselves right um it typically is happening through uis also and so it's exactly one of the places that a lot of the game devs don't actually spend enough time uh, to figure out how to th- sort of basically thematically make that UI experience into something where you're not just like plonking points, which again, yeah, the game is fuck. You're not just plonking yeah. points into stuff, but rather like you're doing, you're just, you're doing something as the character, as like in the world, you're doing something as opposed to, you know, entering numbers in a spreadsheet. And so I think that's that's one of those final pieces of it, which is like the actual display of the information, uh, even when you get down to like the literal interaction point where someone's choosing how they progress or whatever else, should be such that that it it's bound into the world a little bit. And all those things put together, like Adam says sort of it casts this illusion of a simulation rather than a game. And if oh, yeah. you can maintain that simulation feel, um, for a very long time, then that's that's where you get really like those really, really long play times, frankly, because uh, people don't see the game underneath. Uh, for a good, long time, and then oftentimes, even if they do, they might just see it in one part as opposed to like the whole game sort of mm-hmm. unveiling itself right um, yeah. yeah,
0: and what I think sure. is kind of interesting too is is it all is just a framing thing, so we've talked as well. I have an old uh, YouTube video about our our crafting system from the original Crashlands and how how we tried to balance it through like auto, through automated uh calculations you We know, had like five hundred something recipes at the start and manually adjusting the quantities of those recipes was just not possible, right? If you make any change to the world, we're like, oh there should be like fewer trees, then suddenly like all of your recipes that use wood completely maybe off, right? So, so in that video I talked about how at the end of the day, crafting is actually a currency exchange, right? So like you chop a tree, and you get rewarded in game with a currency that we just call wood and it has a wood icon on it. But really it's just – it's a currency that you trade for stuff, right? Because crafting is just trading different common, different denominations of currency for some item, right? Um, but if it was the case that, that instead of, quote, crafting, there was literally just a vendor in the middle of the world who would just be like, yeah, you want this helm? Like bring me eight wood coins and i will give you this help right uh, then even though what you're doing is exactly the same and the mm-hmm. quantities of things that you get is exactly the same and the exchange is exactly exactly the same feels like crap it, because mm-hmm. it's like why won't this person just let me buy this helm with co- coins or something like why am i why is he why is why is it happening like this mm-hmm. but just by saying like well this is crafting So you're converting the wood into a. You're not trading it, which is the same thing. But you're you're converting it into Mm -hmm. a helm. uh, And suddenly, it feels great, right? Yeah, but it it just
2: always depends, you know, on the on the full. Because like uh, in in Valheim, there's a merchant NPC mm -hmm. um, that spawns randomly on your map, and it would be literally impossible to find. Like, there's I I don't understand what the logic was there in terms of like it could be anywhere in the map at random, right? Um, so, but when you find him though, there's just a handful of things that he sells that like, it's the only place you can get them. It's just, that's just right there. Right. And yeah. there's stuff in the game that like is coins basically. Like when you're going in dungeons and stuff, right? There's like gold coins. And like the only use for them is with this trader basically, because mm-hmm. which makes sense. Cause like everything else you craft, cause it's a craft material. Like, yeah,
0: he doesn't want like wood or rocks. Yeah, and you have this. all this money, right? <laughs> and so then you find this yeah. guy and
2: then you can buy these unique. Items that are like complete and they have the they have the feeling of like oh these are like from somewhere mysterious like he's a, it's a traitor it all, it all kind of tracks right yep. um so yeah, it all depends on what you're trying to well, that's what I'm saying though is that if if you if
0: this person gave you you know like a wooden armor set and you bought it from him by giving him wood. Yeah. Then it would be like, what is this? Right. But it it feels right then that you go get coins and bring them to this person and buy stuff off of them. Even though at the end of the day, you're going out retrieving some kind of a currency and exchanging it for an item. Uh, And so, so that's just something to be really careful about is that as a designer, that, that things thematically hook together and feel like they have in game reasons to exist the way that they do. Um, which you would call like a lore, a lore reason, right? Because um, as soon as you just say, "Yeah, uh, you can only do this thing once per day," because Reasons. because I don't because I don't want you to do it more than once per day because <laughs> yeah. I want you to play. I want you to come back tomorrow. And this is also what people hate about so many of uh, like the monetization mechanics in a lot of mobile games, right? Oh, yeah.
2: mm-hmm.
0: You're like, "Oh, you've run out of energy gems for some reason. You have these, and you..." You know, and now you've got to spend ninety nine cents to refill them or to wait keep 12 playing hours
2: or whatever. Right.
0: Again, like it's totally arbitrary.
2: You know, and you uh, can just so. see it. Actually, this reminds yeah. me of uh, with this this whole problem of like the the flying thing because the because the issue there really is that flying as a mechanic is yeah. is incredibly disruptive to the intended experience of. It's so overpowered. Driving. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's too overpowered, and so, you just
0: shortcut literally everything and just yeah. go wherever. And you
2: want. so you can't have that. As a feature, and also be able to infinitely add like progression and other kinds of things because now they all have to be done in, with in the background of being able to fly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so by introducing that mechanic, they basically just made everything forever harder now for them as, yep. as designers to provide a game experience that they that they want people to have. Um, and this all reminds me of the in original Crashlands, the fishing mechanic. Mm-hmm. Where, because we had a lot of discussions trying to figure out how to how to deal with this, right? Because like I don't know, a few hours in you get your fishing pole, and the, when you first start playing the game, you can go fishing, right? And then we move you into the next biome, the next phase of the game. Yep. And we didn't want to give you fishing right away because we wanted to again like have that loop where you like start doing stuff and you get into it. And there we had an easy explanation because we were like, well, it's the it's there's acid water, so you just need mm-hmm. a better fishing pole, right? And, uh, and so, but the loop was was now exposed a bit because it already had been fairly exposed due to how the crafting worked in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but still you could kind of like get through it. It's fine. And then, but then you move into the final biome and it starts over again and you also can't fish again, mm-hmm. but now it's just water again. Right. And so yep, yep. now all of a sudden it feels like you're like, this feels arbitrary. It feels, there's not a reason for this that I could like just accept. Right. Um, and so it's like, yeah well a that, that applied thing.
0: that applied to tons of things i mean and, and yeah, we yeah. we got this comment a lot where um people felt like going through the savanna in crashlands it was a a great experience where they were kind of like clearly moving forward and progressing right um and then they would get to the the bog where suddenly everything is very unfamiliar, like everything 's very mm-hmm. squishy and made of like goo and fat and muscle and bone and stuff. Um, And the first armor set you get in the bog is made of like floppy Vama flaps, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) And we had to give that armor set higher stats than the crystal armor that you had made. Yeah. So like you have more health, you're hitting harder, you have more survivability, even though you've replaced a clearly like hard armor plate – with like a floppy skin bit, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I think that's a very difficult thing to, to manage. Yeah. Because it does break the illusion. Right. And the same thing goes with stuff like pets, right? Like getting your first pet is like, dang, I can get an egg and like hatch it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you, then when it comes to the next pet, you get another egg and you're like, oh, okay. So I guess this is like how I get pets. Right. Mm -hmm. So you've now figured out the, the game, Yep. And the creatures become less like creatures and more like egg dispensers yeah. and you're just like going out whacking them trying to figure try, trying well, they're, to they're get them they're to egg drop and the egg, egg dispensers you know? right cuz
2: yeah cuz all of your all of your crafting materials also just come out of these creature piñatas. Yep. Yeah.
0: And so so which is also say that like it's easy to talk about like oh yeah like try not to break the immersion trying not to have things be arbitrary but um, they are though because it's a game everything is arbitrary and you've got to give a good enough reasons uh because you you're you're building mechanical systems that are meant to be engaging and fun but part of your contract with the players they want to be tricked right like they yes, want to feel like they're in an uh, imaginary world you know yeah
1: the whole thing is like the audience the audience wants to work for their meal they just don't want to know it it's basically yeah i can't remember they, they, so they want, want to, to earn it in. yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah, they want to buy in. Uh, yeah. And so so that, that's actually a huge challenge that we are um, constantly keeping in mind as we work on Crashlands 2 is is coming up with these ways to give the player a lot more of a sense of that immersion and trying not to like break the, you know, break the illusion. Yeah, break and and um, I
2: think one of the most interesting parts about it is that the main thing that makes it so hard to create something that doesn't have a eventually breaking illusion is is design progression. Right. right. Because things can, like, it doesn't make sense for just like everything to be progressing in a forwards direction, just constantly. It's like, not how anything works in real life. Right. Like most things are just side grades actually. Uh, and, and that's what real life is like. And that's why we don't run out of stuff necessarily. Right. Cause like, but in the, in the game context, we're always like trying to make the thing better to give you a reason to go do it. And so now some of these issues, like Seth talked about where it's like, okay, well now we have this fucking dope crystal armor. But we want to add more content to the game. It's like, okay, well, how do we make armor that feels like it's more powerful than right. that? Do thing, we, right? Yeah. Do we just make it so like, oh yeah, the next zone is made out of
0: steel? Yeah, does everything, everything get is hard?
1: As everything just up? get
0: harder and harder, literally. Right. Like more, yeah. and so, yeah.
2: so trying to like decouple <laughs> these things in some ways, like the trick. But then, how do you still have in, at the end of all of that if things are now? how do you make things still have progression but not lock yourself into as a designer into a path where at some point it doesn't make sense to progress anymore but you still want but that's the whole thing you're using that's the system you're using so how do you now make the player do what you want them to do when you've run out of stuff you know that they could do better
0: yeah yeah and, and a lot of that comes down to uh the idea of, of replay and player agency and i feel like this is also something that we are trying to Heavily keep in mind as we're going on Crashlands 2 because this was something in the original Crashlands that um, I, I don't think we delivered on no. super well. Which is that, which is that the progression was quite linear, and the the non-linear part was that you would get sort of like recipe drops at yeah, right, random, but a lot. But the core drops of like your armor sets, your weapons, your tools, whatever, were all part of a pre-planned linear path that you yep. traveled through the game, and so you play through it once, twice. Three times, uh, it 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 goes through the same progression every time, and your decisions don't
2: dramatically change stuff. Uh yeah. um, well, everything's in lockstep, right? Because like, because all of it's tied together, so that as you explore and like go further and further from your starting point, you're seeing new creatures in the sequence with which they get more difficult to to mm-hmm. fight, and also tied to the sequence in which you need their parts to make the next tier of content, you know, through the crafting system. And then yeah. the quest and then the questing is following that same path as well so that we have these gates as you go through the quest process where, oh, you're now stuck here for the moment until you can bring this person, this thing that you need to be able to craft, which requires progressing through that linear system. Right. Yeah. And so it's actually a bunch of linear systems all coupled together. Yep. And it's just really it's hard a paint, to hide it's a, that. It's a paint by numbers
0: yeah. player experience. It's like, yep, yep you're gonna, like, we've, we've planned out your path. Right. And, uh, and the thing is like, it does work. Mm-hmm. um oh, yes. for, and for it's still quite a while fun. yeah but once the player really gets a feel for the game and they want to they have interest. In like oh, i wonder what it would be like to go off in this direction and do this thing and the game is just like well i mean
2: you're not I ready guess to you that could yet,
0: do that buddy. i guess you could do that but like stick to the stick to the mm-hmm. plan here right yeah there's nothing um, over there yeah and so so the thing that we're trying to really keep a sharp eye on for crashlands 2 then is just like not pre-deciding exactly what path the player is going to take and what routes are going to take and how they're going to play the game and what their interests are. Right. And instead just trying to um, anticipate the kinds of things that the player would like to do, and then adding lots of interesting systems for those things. And let's just let the player go do those things kind of at whatever order or pace they
2: want. Try try to have options and make things feel more like side grades with depth, you know, so you can like to go this route or you can go that route, but both are basically equally good. And then once you're in there, it's, like you are progressing, yeah, but like what it should feel like is you're like getting just more
1: into that thing, right? Right. And um, not that you're on a treadmill, um, but yeah, yeah all that is Very hard. That, yeah. Once you combine that idea, the intent of having actually good open world choice in terms of progression with a crafting system, oh yeah, uh, that becomes extremely it's, it's tough, challenging, because it's like okay, yeah. so now you can get like you can mine iron now. Uh, if we're trying, if you're trying to keep these tracks relatively independent from one another. Uh, but obviously, that would be useful in weapons um for someone mm-hmm. who's doing more combat focused stuff and you would need it in weapons uh means we basically get to this point where it's like as as the the game's scale increases, the complexity of how to handle these decisions gets really really intense so we're not yet at the point we've gone i would say we've gone from zero to one at this point as far as like getting this roughly to work um we have we have not yet done the one to two jump because we have some other systems to fill out first, and that to me is gonna be That'll be the the big big challenge on this, as far as yeah. if we can really enable that long term, like ridiculously good replay value, sort of a game yeah. experience where I each mean, path that's a little bit different every time.
2: Yeah, the thing that makes the Crashlands model great, I think, that made Crashlands successful, was that it did this very hard thing of coupling together crafting and uh, and story, mm-hmm. um, and doing it, did those, it in the easy way though, which was the the linear right. model. Right. And yeah, very linear way. Yeah. So it was it was still a hard thing, but we we did it in a way that was you know very doable, right? Mm-hmm. But you still you don't see people doing that that much either, right? Or if they do, the systems aren't very rich because it's like it's just really hard to do then. Mm-hmm. And so there are a handful of games out there that are like are also the games where you craft and there's some kind of a story going on, um, but they lean you know more or less on the story versus the crafting. Like yeah. they, they're not they're not they don't have depth in both really. Yeah, and usually they're shallow in both because that's the easiest way to do yes. it. Um, so trying to, but it's but it's still like it's a it's a cool experience to have those things, and I think that's why this genre is a good one. Um, but yeah, finding that it's just tough. Finding a uh, way to be that game that like really figures out these design challenges of mm-hmm. being a crafting focused experience, which requires you know harvesting enormous amounts of resources, requires some aspect of like a research kind of a concept to unlock new things. So, like there has to be this progression through it, but you want to combine that with like an open world simulation that mm-hmm. where there are other characters living out in the world that you interact with in a meaningful way, which then really still has to tie back into crafting somehow because that's like the core way you do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. like yeah, I would say probably, probably to
0: summarize it, I would say the original Crashlands was an infinite world, right? It was this procedurally generated yep. space that – well, not infinite, but – Infinite enough <laughs> mm-hmm. that one person could not explore the entire thing, but also it was a closed world in the sense that the the path that the player took while geographically different was experientially the same yes every mm-hmm. time right And so what, what we're trying to do with Crashlands two then is is flip it around which is not to worry so much about making a world that's huge but making a world that's deep right and and to focus on providing uh, lots and lots of different ways. For the player to play the game in different ways to lean into their preferences or whatever and to
1: not put them on rails so much, mm-hmm. right? Um, While still so delivering progression, which well, is still delivering well, So it's kind of like you, you gotta get this. this well, but world there's, there's
0: progression, but then there's like br- branched progression, right? In the sense that like you, you get to choose what path you're going to progress down, mm-hmm. which is different than just progressing forwards all the time. Right. Yeah,
2: um, yeah. That's to me. That's the idea of like thinking about it as going deeper instead of forwards. If that makes sense, right? It's like having lots, gaining and lots of expertise versus choices. just becoming more powerful. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so it's a huge challenge, and uh, you know, we're 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 trying to keep. You may have noticed our listeners may have noticed that we haven't been talking about crashes too a lot because we're we're actually we're actually moving really fast on it right now. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of things are hot; they're in flux. I mean, like they're you know fluxes there. They're rapidly, yeah, they're rapidly changing. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, we're getting enough cool ideas in there that we kind of want to just sit on it and not reveal what actually we're doing until we just reveal the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So going forward, we're probably just going to keep a lid on it for the most part, and then just kind of you know pull the pull the tarp off or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, All right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Costa for putting the podcast together, and thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.